Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. Well, hello and welcome to the Straight A Nursing Podcast, or welcome back if you are a regular listener. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Nurse Mo, and on this podcast, I teach nursing concepts and share tips to help nurses and nursing students thrive in school and at the bedside. Now, before we dive into our topic for today, which I am so excited about. I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, and I finally got the chance to do it. Before we do that, though, it's time for our listener shout out. And this one goes out to Nurse Anna, who says this. I've been a nurse for a little over two years, and I just recently started listening to the podcast. It's a nice refresher for topics that I don't experience much, but it's also interesting to learn more about the things I do see every day. If you feel like you're in a rut and need something to get excited about nursing again, this podcast is it. Thank you, Nurse Mo. Well, thank you, Anna, for listening to the podcast and coming back and writing that wonderful review about how it helps you in your nursing practice. I'm so, so glad, and I just want to wish you all the very best. Okay, so today's topic is what is digital clubbing really? So in nursing school, I learned, and as I have since discovered, many others learned as well, that digital clubbing is a key sign of COPD. And I heard that from my professors. I accepted it as gospel. I moved on with my life. I used this information in exams to answer questions. I used this in care plans whenever I was taking care of a patient with COPD. And in the ICU, when I would see a patient with digital clubbing, I'd think, well, I guess Bob's got COPD felt so smart. But like all things in nursing, there's so, so, so much more to this story. So what is digital clubbing? So digital clubbing refers to the rounding and bulging of the fingertips and the fingernails, though it can, of course, occur in the toes as well. We typically think of it and assess for it in the fingers. Now, digital clubbing can be primary or secondary. So primary or idiopathic digital clubbing can be hereditary and is also associated with hypertrophic osteoarthropathy, which is a condition characterized by the proliferation of osseous tissue, soft tissue, and skin in the distal extremities. 
And then we have secondary digital clubbing, which is basically what your nursing instructors were talking about when they said digital clubbing is a sign of COPD. So secondary digital clubbing is considered a symptom of underlying disease and is associated with a wide variety of conditions, such as looking at pulmonary disease. This includes interstitial lung disease, interstitial lymphosatic pneumonia, pulmonary fibrosis, bronchiectasis, cystic fibrosis, emphyema, sarcoidosis, tuberculosis, and lung abscesses. As I was doing research and learning more about this topic, I learned that Hippocrates first noted digital clubbing in a patient with empyema. Sometimes you'll hear them called Hippocratic fingers. So a little fun fact for you about digital clubbing. It's also associated with cardiovascular disease, including infective endocarditis, cyanotic congenital heart disease, and any condition that causes right-to-left shunting. And then cancer is a big one, including lung cancer, liver cancer, GI tumors, esophageal cancer, mesothelioma, thyroid cancers, lymphoma, all kinds of cancer. And then gastrointestinal disease, including cirrhosis, inflammatory bowel disease, even roundworm infection. We also have celiac disease, peptic ulceration of the esophagus, and hepatopulmonary syndrome. And then there's a couple of dermatologic diseases, which let's see if I can pronounce the Lobsec syndrome and Fisher syndrome. There were others that were even harder to say. We're just going to call it good with that. And then some other conditions include thyroid acropathy, sickle cell disease, and hyperparathyroidism, and even pregnancy. Guess what's not on that list? C-O-P-D. In fact, the evidence shows that if a patient with COPD has digital clubbing, underlying pulmonary conditions or even non-pulmonary conditions must be ruled out. So how is digital clubbing evaluated? Digital clubbing is often evaluated by observing for a positive Shamroth sign, which is done through visual inspection of the fingertips and the fingernails. So What you do is you ask the patient to put their fingers together with the first knuckles touching and the fingernails touching. So the way they position the hand is that the fingertips will be pointing down, almost like they're making a heart shape with their hands. You may have seen a picture of this, and this is probably how you learned it in nursing school. So in a healthy individual with no digital clubbing, you can see a little diamond-shaped window at the base of the nail beds. If there is no diamond-shaped window, the fingers are clubbed, and the physician will then probably perform further assessments to verify the clubbing, taking some measurements, and identify the underlying cause. So as a nurse, you're not going to get out a ruler and do these measurements, but you may see this mentioned, and it could possibly be on an exam. So let's talk about how these measurements are done or what they are. So again, like I said, digital clubbing, you can look at it for that Shamroth sign, or it could be further evaluated through measurements. And these measurements look at a few different things, the profile angle and the hyponychial angle. 
Again, this is not likely something you're going to do at the bedside, but a normal profile angle is less than 176 degrees, and a normal hyponychial angle is 192 degrees. And then another way to evaluate digital clubbing with measurements is with the digital index. This index is a summation of the phalangeal depth of all 10 fingers. So an index of 10.2 or higher is indicative of digital clubbing. Mostly, though, as the nurse, you're going to say, Sam, put your fingers together like this and you're going to eyeball it, right? Okay, let's talk a little bit about how digital clubbing is categorized. So it is categorized based on progressive changes that occur to the fingertips and the nail bed. So grade one, with this stage uh, or category of digital clubbing, there is some fluctuation and softening in the nail bed that is noticeable. Palpating it, it could feel a little bit spongy. At grade two, the angle between the nail bed and the proximal nail fold is greater than 160 degrees. And then at grade three, there is noticeable convexity of the nail bed. And then grade four, there's a noticeable clubbed appearance to that fingertip. And then finally, there's grade five, where the nail and the nearby skin appear kind of shiny, kind of glossy, and there are longitudinal striations present. So now let's get into the real meat of this, the pathophysiology of digital clubbing. It is so much more complex than chronic hypoxia, which is probably what you heard in nursing school. In fact, the specific pathophysiology is actually unknown. But here's a bit of what we do know. In those early stages, changes to that nail bed are a result of increased interstitial edema. And as the malformation continues, the size of that distal digit gets larger as a result of increased vasculature and changes to connective tissue. There is a general consensus that in most types of clubbing, distal digital vasodilation is present. Now, this vasodilation leads to increased blood flow in the fingertips and, of course, in the toes. Now, what causes this vasodilation remains unclear. If you want to hurt your brain, go and do a search for digital clubbing pathogenesis and have a really nice afternoon with that because I went down the rabbit hole and I learned a ton. I'm going to try to unmuddy it as much as I can for you here today. So again, what causes this vasodilation is unclear. It has been proposed that vasodilation may be due to hypoxia, a circulating or local vasodilator, a neural mechanism, or a combination of these, or yet-to-be-discovered factors. So let's look briefly at each of these. So the hypoxia theory suggests that individuals with pulmonary disease or cyanotic heart conditions have higher levels of circulating vasodilators. But since many conditions known to cause hypoxia do not involve clubbing, and since hypoxia is absent in many, if not most, cases of digital clubbing, it cannot be fully supported as a significant cause of the condition. 
All right, well, what about those circulating vasodilators? So the presence of circulating vasodilators in digital clubbing is supported by evidence related to cyanotic congenital heart disease. Because these patients have a right-to-left shunt, these vasodilators, which are normally inactivated when they flow through the lungs, do not get inactivated and flow into systemic circulation. Studies and experience show that when the shunting situation is corrected, guess what happens to the clubbing? It subsides. Some vasodilators that are proposed to be responsible include bradykinin and prostaglandins, among others. And then the vagal system. I mentioned a neural component. So the vagal system has also been proposed as a possible player in the development of digital clubbing. In patients with disease conditions associated with organs that are vagally innervated, digital clubbing incidence is increased. This is further supported by the fact that digital clubbing has been reported to improve after a vagotomy is performed. However, researchers are not yet fully convinced that this is a strong factor for digital clubbing since it doesn't explain why non-vagally inverted organs can also be associated with the condition. See what I mean about it hurting your brain? I'm starting to think I know why nursing instructors just say, it's COPD. They don't want to talk about it. Okay, no, seriously, though. Let's get into now where things get really interesting. So another interesting and well-supported theory stems from work done by researchers Dickinson and Martin. So this theory stems from the idea that a key location for platelet biogenesis is actually in the lungs. Researchers found that there are lower numbers of platelets in venous blood when compared to arterial blood. And this led to further examination and the proposal that platelets are created in the lungs when megakaryocytes, which are cells that produce platelets, are physically broken down in pulmonary capillaries. In a person with normal cardiopulmonary circulation, megakaryocytes are too large to fit through those tiny little pulmonary vessels. As such, they are broken down into smaller components and platelets are produced. However, in an individual with abnormal cardiopulmonary function, such as a right-to-left shunt, for example, these larger cells are able to enter systemic circulation and eventually lodge in the really tiny vessels of the fingers and toes. And then as Rosenberg states in a 2017 study, these clumps of megakaryocytes at the periphery can release high concentrations of platelet-derived growth factor into the fingertips or into the toe tips. Platelet-derived growth factor leads to increased permeability, increased vascularity, and connective tissue changes that cause the malformation in digital clubbing. But it's important to note that not everyone with digital clubbing has a right-to-left shunt or abnormal cardiopulmonary vasculature. And while follow-up studies have supported this theory as a cause of digital clubbing, it does not explain the pathophysiology of clubbing in other conditions such as inflammatory bowel disease or cirrhosis. 
In his article published in the journal Circulation, Dr. Rutherford discusses other possible pathophysiological explanations, including abnormal capillary growth patterns, local hypoxia, platelet activation, and increased plasma levels of vascular endothelial growth factor, which can be triggered by inflammatory states and by cancer. So, in short, what I'm getting at with you today is the pathophysiology of digital clubbing and the conditions it is associated with go far, far beyond what most nursing students are taught. So let's talk a little bit about how many people are affected by digital clubbing when we look at some specific disease conditions. Now, while primary digital clubbing is rare, secondary clubbing is more common and studies show it is present in approximately 29% of patients with lung cancer, with most cases occurring in non-small cell carcinoma, in 38% of patients with Crohn's disease, in 15% of patients with ulcerative colitis, and up to 33% of patients with pulmonary tuberculosis. Again, did you notice what was not on that list? C-O-P-D. To reiterate, clubbing is considered to be an unusual finding in COPD, and its presence should be assigned to the physician to look for an underlying cause, especially lung cancer. I hope this look at digital clubbing shines some light on a complex topic that, until now, you may have thought was pretty easily understood. So now when you have a patient with digital clubbing, you'll know they could have a wide variety of underlying disorders. So I hope to see you back here again soon. I've got a bonus episode coming up for you next in a few days. And then after that, we're diving into lumbar punctures. So I will see you back here for that. And if you found this episode helpful, then I'd love if you'd share with a friend. I'd love if you would follow the show or subscribe to the show and rate, review all of the things that help us rank higher and reach more nurses and more nursing students. I will see you again soon. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. 